The census is safe. It's easy. It only takes 10 minutes at the most to actually fill it out. And it's really important both for getting the right representation in the federal and state government, but also because of all of the federal funding that is based on the census and all of the community planning that happens based on the information collected in the census. My name's Anthony Green, and this is the Our Future West Virginia podcast, where we're building local power in West Virginia by working with communities to fight for economic, educational, civil, and racial justice. Today, we're joined by Southern Regional Organizer for Our Future West Virginia, Kara Jo Grace. Thanks so much for joining us, Kara Jo. Thanks for having me, Anthony. I'm really excited about our new podcasts. So, Kara Jo, for those who are listening and don't know, can you just give them an introduction to yourself and the work that you're currently doing at Our Future? Yeah, sure. So I'm the Southern Regional Organizer, which means that I work in the southern third of the state in the coal fields. And what we do is help community folks figure out what the changes are that they want to have in their communities, whether that is at a local level, county level, state, even sometimes federal level issues. And we help them figure out how to uh, work with their elected officials and other powers that be so that they can make the kinds of changes that they want to see. And currently a lot of your work focuses on the 2020 census. And just make sure we cover all of our bases. Can you just give me like a basic elementary overview of what the census is? Sure. So every 10 years, we do a complete count of every single person who is living in the United States. That means everybody, citizens, non-citizens, people who have been here for 30 years, people who have been here all their lives, and new immigrants also. So anybody who is living in any of the 50 states or our territories gets counted. Um, That is in the Constitution. Uh, Article 2 of the Constitution says that we need to have this count every 10 years. Uh, So that's what we're doing right now. It's just a pure count of how many people are living in the U.S. And what is the purpose of the census? What What is the role of the census? So it does several things. The reason it was written into the Constitution is because uh, it, the census determines how many congressional seats each state gets. Um, that's called congressional allocation. Uh, and it changes every 10 years because the population of the United States shifts. You know, So we see more people moving to Arizona and fewer people living in West Virginia. So the number of representatives we have in Congress changes. The other thing that the census informs is where exactly all of those district lines are drawn. So if we have, like right now, we have three uh, seats in Congress, um, but we'll take a look at the population in West Virginia and see how that's changed and see if we need to change where those lines are drawn so that the population is equally distributed between the three of them. We also use it to draw district lines for our state legislature, so our state House and Senate gets uh, redrawn every 10 years. Probably the biggest thing that people are aware of, though, is that billions and billions and billions of dollars of federal funding is dependent on the census count. In 2016, West Virginia got almost $7 billion in federal funding just right off the top based on our census numbers. So uh, that, that's like over $3,000 a person per year 
that our state receives uh, from the federal government just based on our census statistics that they collect every 10 years. Speaking of this, can you tell me a little bit about the relationship West Virginia has with the census? So West Virginia is one of the hardest to count states in the entire country. Uh, A lot of that is because we're very, very rural. Um, It's hard to get to some houses. Uh, There's a little bit of distrust of the government collecting information in West Virginia. But because, because we're so rural and spread out, it makes it really difficult to make sure that everybody participates in the census. Uh, but we also are one of the states that depends the most on the census because we get far more federal dollars than we actually send to D.C. in tax payments and things like that. So we're really dependent on this federal funding that is based on our census count. And what are some of the programs that affect West Virginians the most? All kinds of stuff. Um, Medicare, Medicaid, our VA hospitals, food stamps, schools, daycare centers, family resource centers, Head Start, feeding programs for children and seniors, Pell Grants, student loans. All of that money is based on how many people there are in West Virginia that fit certain demographics. Um, There's a race question on the census. Some people don't understand why that is. Besides giving us a picture of what our country looks like, there's also uh, specific programs that are based on your background, your racial demographics. And the census count lets us do planning uh, for our communities for the next 10 years. So if we find that we have a a whole lot of one and two year olds living in the state. Well, that tells us, well, maybe we're gonna need some more preschool classrooms a few a few years down the line. And 10 years down the line, we'll need some more middle schools. You know, if we, if we look at our elderly population and the number of nursing homes and hospitals is not enough, well, that lets the community plan ahead so that there will be enough uh, resources for our senior citizens. Our roads, our our libraries, our where do we have, where do we need more internet access, all of that planning for our communities is based on what comes out of the census. So what exactly does the census look like? So the census is a set of 10 questions that asks information about everybody who's living in the home, how old they are, uh, and what their birthday is, their gender, their name, and their relationships to each other. So maybe everybody in the household is part of a nuclear family, or maybe it is three or four roommates, or whatever combination, parents uh, or grandparents raising their grandchildren, or somebody who's crashing on your couch, just whatever your household looked like on April 1st of this year, April 1st, 2020. Simple questions, it's really quick, it's easy, it only takes about 10 minutes to fill out 
all of your information is completely and totally confidential. The Census Bureau cannot release any of that personally identifying information, so they can't release your name and your address and all of that stuff. They only use the data that they collect to look at community level and neighborhood level uh, issues. So you never have to worry about you know your information getting into the hands of somebody who shouldn't have it. And you can do the census three different ways. You can do it online at my2020census.gov. You can use the phone and call 844-330-2020 to do it over the phone and a census representative will take your information. Or you can do the paper form, which a lot of people got in the mail and may look like a census worker coming to knock on your door um, at this point because they're, they're doing door knocking right now. I imagine this census cycle is much more difficult than last decades, uh, mostly because of COVID-19. Can you tell me a little bit uh, about that? Yeah, so it was crazy this spring. So census day is April 1st. So uh, the census counting work was starting mid-March. And right as uh, census workers were starting to get trained and getting out in the field and and we were doing our out, starting to do our outreach work is when COVID hit and everything got shut down. Um, so much of the census depends on having that face-to-face interaction with people um, that the Census Bureau had to completely revise how they were going to handle doing the census. Um, you know, they had trouble getting workers because of COVID. They, you know, had to, they had to change up their training program and all of that. So the census, while people got paper forms in the mail and the online portal was open, it really data collection ground to a halt for, for a while. And instead of doing the door knocking in late May and through June and part of July, it was deferred and uh, the door knocking didn't start until mid-August. The Census Bureau had asked for an extension into next year. Constitutionally, um, they are supposed to deliver the data to the president as a, uh, by December 31st. Uh, well, they had asked for some more time and some extra funding so that they could hire more people, give people overtime, and get a really complete and accurate count for the census. But that was denied at the last minute. Um, so the Census Bureau is, is trying to get everybody counted and analyze all of the data in a very short time span compared to the, the amount of time that they usually have. So that's been probably the biggest challenge is just making sure that everybody gets counted really quickly. And it's been rough for us because a lot of the activities and events that we had planned got canceled. A lot of our partners in the Count Me In Coalition were planning on having events at the community centers and dinners and things like that. Um, and then you would be able to get 50 or 100 people to fill out the census right there. And that just didn't happen. So it's been a struggle making sure that uh, we're reaching out to folks. But we've adjusted to online. 
and the Census Bureau has adjusted to online and social distancing. But it's been tough. It's been tough. Um, the self-response rate is much lower this year than it was 10 years ago across the country, not just in West Virginia, but across the country. But it looks like the workers on the ground who are knocking on doors are getting lots of work done, and um, the response rates are up to around 90% at this point, and we still have a few weeks to go. You mentioned the deadline being one of the biggest challenges for census workers. What are some of the other challenges that you all are seeing? Well, in general, people are always worried about the safety and privacy issues of, of their census. Uh, as I mentioned, that data is sealed for 72 years and people can't at the Census Bureau, Census Bureau workers can't share that with anybody, with no other federal agency. So for folks who are undocumented, Homeland Security, ICE, they don't get any of that information. Sometimes, you know, you have a situation where a single mom who relies on food stamps has a roommate that she doesn't report because that's the only way that she can, she can afford to survive. So DHHR is not going to find out that you have that roommate that you didn't report. You know, you have extra roommates, your landlord's not going to find out. They can't share the information with anybody from local law enforcement all the way up to federal agencies to private individuals or companies. That information is sealed up in the Census Bureau. So folks don't have to worry about their info being shared. And it's and it's really basic information that you're giving. I mean, your name and your birthday and things like that. The federal government, if you, if you have a social security number, the federal government already has that information. If you're on Facebook, the same information is out there for the world to see. This is just a way of getting everything in one place and getting a snapshot of what the country looks like at one point in time. So even though that distrust has been an issue, it really shouldn't be in people's minds. The census is absolutely confidential. Another issue that we've been having is the cen this is the first time that uh, we've ever been able to do the census online, and the portal is working great. It's really it's quick and easy. If you go to my2020census.gov, it'll only take you about 10 minutes to, to fill it all in, five minutes if you're a single person, but for a lot of people, they don't have broadband access or internet access in their in their homes, so that has slowed down the response rate um, quite a bit because the census, like I said, the Census Bureau was really pushing for everybody to do it online. They did not mail out paper forms to everybody. If you don't have access and nobody has knocked on your door yet, you can go to your local library, you can go to a local community center, anywhere that you can use a computer. Uh, and then we've also got our Count Me In teams um, who are setting up at places like COVID uh, testing sites and churches and other community events. And they have computers that people can use to, to do their census online. So you mentioned Count Me In. Can you tell me a little bit about that? What is that? Yeah. So back over a year ago, um, our, our future West Virginia looked around and was like, okay, we, if we want to do census outreach and education, we need partnerships across the state to, to be able to do that. So we formed a coalition with a whole bunch of nonprofits and all of our nonprofits are working together to get the word out of, about the census. But the more exciting part of it for me 
was that we were able to uh, get funding to support about 25 uh, teams or, and individuals to do census outreach and education. Now to be clear, you know, they're not census workers, they are volunteers for our organization, but in communities across the state, uh, from the Ohio County Family Resource Network, up in Wheeling, all the way down to the Mercer County NAACP in the southeastern corner of the state, have been reaching out to their communities, um, hosting events online and in-person pre-COVID, to increase awareness about the census and why it's so important, and actually also give people the opportunity to do the census by having laptops and, and hotspots and whatever technology folks would need uh, to actually do their census. We have teams in Wyoming and Boone and Summers and Greenbrier and Cabell and Kanawha and just like I said, across the state, there's about 25 community-based organizations and individuals who feel like the census is so important that they wanted to do work in their community to increase the count. One of my favorite stories is earlier in the census when it was only self-reporting, when there were no census workers going door to door. Wyoming County as a whole only had about 15% of their folks counted. But in Mullins, the Mullins Opportunity Center, because they are a bedrock of the community, it's where after-school programs are, and they have dinners, and they have a food pantry, and they do all of this community outreach work. Folks in the community trust them. So when they started telling folks you need to do the census, people listened, and they had like a 65% response rate in the area around Mullins because these folks worked so hard. And we've seen examples like that across the state, up in Ohio County, their uh, self-response rates were just through the roof, um, where we, ha we had a team that was also partnered with a complete count committee up there. And it made it really exciting for us because not only were we getting West Virginians to participate in the census, which is so important to us. It allowed us to support local community members with a little bit of money and you know some training and some support so that they can do good work and make changes in their communities. The whole Count Me In WV started as a community-based census outreach and education program uh, so that we could get everybody in West Virginia counted. So I know a lot of your work deals with internet access in rural communities. Can you tell me a little bit about that? We have two issues with, with internet access in the state. First of all, that you know large companies, it's not profitable for them to go up every holler. So you have places that have absolutely no internet access or it's just dial-up access through the phone lines. Uh, and then this, the second Part of that problem is even when there is broadband access, it's really expensive. And we've got a lot of our folks who are either living in poverty or living right on the edge and struggling to make ends meet, and they just can't afford that big internet bill every month. Uh, and, and we've run into that again and again with trying to do remote learning for the kids during uh, this COVID epidemic. So we recognize that as a problem. And what we decided to do about that uh, is kind of twofold. First of all, some of our Count Me In 
West Virginia Fellows are serving as community hubs. So they have a church or a community center or a, a library, a place where they can go and set up and have computers sitting there and providing access to the internet for people in, in these public areas. The other thing that we've been doing is setting up at say Black Lives Matter rallies or COVID testing sites. And generally those are in town where you can get a cell signal. So uh, we've been able to use cell phones and mobile hotspots as hotspots to be able to provide internet access at random places so that we have, we have a computer on a table at a COVID testing site and people can come and do their census while they're waiting in line. Uh, and, and we've got that mobile internet access. And, and that's, been, that's been helpful, but it, does, it also depends on people coming to town. So it doesn't solve the broadband access for everybody, but it helps us deal with it. So where are we at in the census campaign now? The census ends on September 30th. September 30th is the last day that you can fill out the census and be counted. So we are, we're getting to the point where we're wrapping things up. We have talked to so many people. Our fellows have had hundreds and hundreds of people fill out the census and we're getting ready to just, and celebrate, <laughs> honestly, at this point. The census has put people on the ground at this point. Um, they're called enumerators or door knockers. So, uh, so what they're doing at this point, the Census Bureau is following up with any address that they've not gotten a response from. And I mean, they have this, they do this incredible mapping starting a couple of years before the census so that they, they map every household um, that they can find and do on the ground checking of it and all of that. So they have a database of all the residences in the United States to the best of their ability. So anybody who has not filled out the census uh, is going to get a knock on the door. And we really hope you will answer the door and answer the questions. So when a census worker comes and knocks on your door, what should people expect? So a census worker will always have a federal identification badge that has their picture on it, um, the official U.S. Census Bureau logo and, you know, security items. So you can, if somebody says they're with the census, you can ask to see that ID card. Also, any technology that they have with them, um, an iPad or a uh, laptop or whatever will also be labeled with census bureau uh, some of them have magnets for their cars but they will have several different forms of id that prove to you that they that they truly indeed work for the census they are wearing masks and practicing social distancing and a, there's some really important things we saw some attempted fraud um, early on in the process where people were knocking on doors especially for senior citizens pretending to be with the census, but really being scam artists. So remember that Census Bureau folks will only ask you the questions that are on the census. Names, birth dates, relationships, racial demographics, that kind of stuff. They will never, ever, ever ask for your social security number, any sort of payment, any bank account numbers, PIN numbers, nothing like that. Only the questions that are on the census. 
Um, Census Bureau workers also will never ask to come inside your house. They need to stay outside the house and you can come out and join them or you can stand at your door and talk to them. And it, it will only take about five minutes for them to ask you the questions and then they'll be done and they'll leave and you will have been counted, you and your household. Again, when they ask you how many people live in your household, you're gonna have to think back to April 1st of this year, which is kind of wonky, weird, uh, because like college students spend most of their year living in the town where their college is. But right around April 1st was when colleges were shutting down and sending everybody home. <laughs> so if you're a college student and you were living uh, not at home back in, in March and April, you don't want to be counted at your parents' house. You want to be counted where you live, where you lived then, whether it was a dorm or off-campus housing. The reason that that's so important is, you know, take a town like Morgantown and how many tens of thousands of students live there nine months of the year, but then for the summers they're gone, well, the city of Morgantown needs to fund their police and build their roads and do their city planning as if all those students were there all the time. Um, there's lots of resources that go in to supporting the community as a whole uh, when you're a college town. So that's why it's really important that uh, college students remember to get counted where they should have been on April 1st, whether that was uh, in a dorm or off-campus housing, or if they lived at home while they were going to college. People have a lot of questions about who is in my household. So the college student example is one. If you have infants in your home, if they were born on or before April 1st, they get counted. But if they were born after April 1st, you don't count them this time around. They don't get counted until 2030. You know, if you had uh, relatives or friends that were staying with you because they had no place else to stay and they were just, you know, kind of couch surfing, count them at your house, even if they're not there anymore. So big thing to remember is think back to April 1st. What were you doing on April 1st? Who lived in your home then? And count all of those people. And if there's information that you don't know about people, so, you know, you don't know your friend's birthday, they're not living with you anymore, that's okay. Just, you know, give, give what information that you know, even if it's not absolutely complete. It's most important to get that count right, rather than having every single piece of data. So when it comes to the 2020 census, if you could leave our listeners with anything, what would you want to tell them? So I'm going to use the, the Census Bureau's slogan. The census is safe. Your information is not going to be shared with anybody. It's easy. It only takes 10 minutes at the most to actually fill it out. And it's really important both for getting the right representation in the federal and state government, but also because of all of the federal funding that is based on the census and all of the community planning that happens based on the information collected in the census. So please, please, please go to my2020census.gov and fill, it, fill out your census online if you can. Um, if you can't do that, you can call 
330-2020 and do it over the phone. And most importantly, if a census worker comes knocking at your door, please answer your door and talk to them and answer their questions. It is really important. West Virginia depends so much on the federal government sending us money to help run all of these programs that are so important to so many people in the state, like Head Start and seniors programs and our schools and our roads and our VA and all of, all of those federal programs that almost everybody in the state uses one or the other of them. Um, so please, everybody, participate in the census. Uh, we're up to about 90% participation rate at this point. Let's get to 100% over the next three weeks. Well, Carrie Jo, thank you so much for talking with us about this. Thanks so much for having me, Anthony. As of this recording, West Virginia is second in the nation for census response rates, only behind Idaho, with a response rate of 98.1%. The deadline for the 2020 census is September 30th. If you haven't already, you can fill out the 2020 census and help your community by going to my2020census.gov. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at OurFutureWV. And if you want to support us and help bring local power to your community, feel free to subscribe to our newsletter at OurFutureWV.org, where you can donate and become a future builder for West Virginia. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Our Future West Virginia podcast. We'll see you next time.